everyone. As you see, I uh, get the great honor of, of wearing a couple different hats today. Last time I did this, I um, took off my jacket so you guys knew the difference between like facilitator Amanda and worship Amanda, and I figured it's too much work today. But I'm really excited to be up here today because um, the word that I want to share today is actually something the Lord brought back into me. You ever have those times where the Lord teaches you something in scripture and it's like so, so good and it just, it envelops all of your life and then years later, he wants to reteach it to you. Not because you didn't get it the first time, but sometimes life just happens and you get a new perspective of the same thing. You've been there? That's me. That's me. Um, and so I think what's, what's been crazy, I think, for me is the last time I had this revelation from the scripture I'm going to go into today um, that we're going to look at, um, I was actually at Bethel. I was actually in ministry school at the time. And, um, you know, I have, do you guys, you ever had that one Bible in your life that you just have this relationship with that Bible, this physical thing with actual pages and actual letters and numbers? Yeah. And I always duct taped mine. I don't know why. It was just always my thing. I, I always duct tape my Bibles because I figured that's one way it'll stay together. Didn't work on one Bible. But anyway, and this I had this one particular Bible. It was this, um, it was one of these thin pocket Bibles, literally about this wide, could fit in my back pocket, but it was really tall, so it always stuck out. So my shirts would always like hang up on one side and it just looked really funky. And it was like this aqua, maybe seafoam green and brown. And it was, I want to say it was like NIV or ESV. And I loved this Bible. I took it everywhere with me when I was in California and then every teaching. And when I came home, I carried it with me. And like every teaching, every time I got something out of, of a of a a sermon or maybe I'm listening to something or I'm just having a conversation with a friend and they just had like a really good one-liner that they didn't realize was such a one-liner. It deeply impacted me that I would write it in some space somewhere in the Bible. So by the time I came home in spring of 2015, there was no empty space in this Bible. There was the printed words and there was a bunch of my written words. And it was like, I, was, I would be talking to a friend and it would remind me, oh, you know, I, I, hold on, let me look. And I would try to find exactly what page and what exact corner I wrote this phrase that I heard in this one sermon that would help them and minister to them. And I was usually always wrong. So I would always say, it's something to the effect of this, but I swear it's in there. Something we all do, I think, a lot with the Bible. It's in there, I swear. I swear it's in there. Well, I had this one Bible and I, one night, none of my roommates were in the apartment, and I was like, I, I 
went to the living room in our apartment. I opened up the Bible and I said, all right, Lord, teach me something. Like, show me something. I I, want to hear from you. And I felt led to come to Matthew 11. So we're going to dive a little into Matthew 11 today. And of course, he leaned in on the last three verses that we all seem to know. But I'm actually going to go from 11, 25 through 30. In the last three verses, I'll explain the encounter I had with Jesus um, from these verses later on. But I just kind of want to dive into this now. So if you do have your physical Bible that you have a relationship with or your cell phone that you have a relationship with that has a Bible on it or an iPad or, you know, whatever, something where the scriptures are, go ahead to Matthew 11, verse 25. Um, and I, right now I'm going to read through the ESV version, and then I'm going to also read the Passion Translation right after that. So Matthew 11, verse 25 through 30, starting in um, the ESV. When you're there, let me know. I actually want to give you guys time if, if you do. If you don't have your Bibles, it's all good, as you see. We're starting to have it up on the screen. Woo-hoo! Yeah, I got your back up. Got you. We got you. Yeah. Well, at least we have that for you. That works. And if you don't bring your Bible here, I hope you're reading it at home. Or listening to it. I'll listen to it on my drives. There's this really cool app out there. It's called Dwell. And they have um, audio versions, someone reading it in different translations. And if you're lucky, it might be in a different accent entertains me. It keeps me more focused. Anyway, Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And now we're going to switch it up and we're going to go to the Passion Translation. And I'm doing this because I want you to hear the heart of what I'm saying. So I want to combine these two versions together so you can hear, I don't know, because you get something a little different every time. So in the Passion Translation, same verses. Verse 25, then Jesus exclaimed, Father, thank you for you are Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth. And you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and think they are wise and unveiled it instead to little children. Yes, Father, you've chosen this gracious plan to extend your kingdom. You have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father. And no one fully and intimately knows the Father except the Son. But the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. 
You will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Hmm. Hmm. I've read it a million times and I just like sitting on it sometimes. Both versions are just, whew. So, um, what, what's fascinating about this bulk here that I want to discuss as we're about to go into it Oh, because I want to go kind of verse by verse into this and, and go a little deeper. Kind of like what I, you know, why I wanted the particular worship songs we had today. There's something in those words that I don't want us to just sing over. I want us to actually receive it. And it's the same with the scriptures. Don't just read it. Receive it. Really take it in. Dive deep. Let's look at that. What does that look like? So one thing I thought about as I read the whole chapter of Matthew 11 is right before this bunch right here, Jesus actually makes a withdrawal from a group of people he's talking about, which if I'm correct, is John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, because the chapter starts off where John sends his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one? Are you the one we're waiting for? And Jesus is all like, yeah, the like lepers are healed and da 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 da. Like, it's me. It's totally me. And then he starts talking. He turns the attention on to the disciples and he starts talking to the disciples. And then he is um, talking about the cities where he's at and he's really making a withdrawal. And I didn't put those scripture there. So we're not going to go deep into that because I will rabbit trail. But something I noticed from that piece to the rest of the chapter is that Jesus was making these interesting transitions. So he starts off because I, I just found it made me think, it made me look back a couple verses to kind of experience how Jesus was even feeling maybe in those moments because he just gave a huge withdrawal, like, whoo, that hurt, that hurt. And then he immediately turns his attention and has verse 25. Jesus very abruptly just switches over in prayer, but is in thankful mode. And it made me stop and think of like, whoa, how humble is this guy? He just really ripped him a new one, you know? And then he just turns with his heart because it's like parents. Like, it's hard to discipline your children sometimes, right? At least that's what my mom says. She, she, when she would whoop us when we were younger, she, she's like, this is hurting me way more than it's hurting you. <laughs> uh, which we knew that which is why I hated making her disappointed or upset or did anything wrong because she's crying severely more than I was. But it's just so fascinating to me that he shifts and goes, I thank you, Father. He just goes right into Thanksgiving, that he shifted his heart position 
I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Something about that line right after what he just said about it'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you. Whoa, ow, like what? And he just goes, he just shifts right over. And so it made me pay way more attention to verses 25 through 27. Because at first I was just going to do this on 28 through 30, because that's the one I knew. That's the one Jesus has been talking to me about for like a decade. And he's like, no, I want to go a little further back. Because I just, I never noticed that this was right there. Like, you know, it's in the Bible. It's somewhere in there to this effect, right? But no, it's actually right there. So what fascinates me in this next part, he starts with Thanksgiving. And um, it makes me shift how I think about things. When I get upset, when I'm disappointed. Like that just makes me want to really stop and just choose thankfulness in the moment. Like I have this one, this one client with, that I work with very consistently. And he, I have to redirect and prompt the same thing over and over and over again. So my patience drops, and it's a six-hour shift in the heat. Oh. And I realize I am getting less and less patient with him, which all he needs is patience. And it makes me stop and think, when I'm correcting him, I tend to stay in the frustration of the correction. I'll stay there. But it makes me think, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to let go of the frustration. If I can just shift to thankfulness and focus on what's real and what's true, then I won't have to continue to hold this. And I can actually serve him better, my client. And it makes me think of that with Joe. And, you know, when we have marital, stupid little arguments about where's the remote, you know, like I'll stay in the frustration. And it's like, thank you that it's not a big deal, Jesus. Thank you that you are Lord of heaven and earth. And so that was just a little thing. It wasn't in my notes, but it really just, it affected me deeply. But what I want to go into is in verse 25, it says that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. First thing I notice is, what are the things? Because Jesus doesn't directly say what the things are. And one thing, um, I'm saying thing a lot, huh? I did a little research and I looked a little deeper. And I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 5, I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. But I think in, in this, these verses, we get a good sense of what the things are. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 through 16. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't 
It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it, for if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scriptures say, things never discovered or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine, these are the many things God has in store for all of his lovers. That's a reference from Isaiah 64, verse 10. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know that person's impulse except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive a spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit-revealed truths and spirit-revealed words. That line has been rocking me for weeks. Um, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. Those who live in the spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. So, there's a sense of the things, these amazing mysteries of the goodness of God, the power of God, his heart, his mind, these things that near knowledge could not bring you. Knowledge is great, it's useful, it's important, but that is not the stuff that's going to bring you into the mysteries of God, that's going to bring you the true revelation of the Lord Yahweh. And it's funny because Jesus says, you've hidden these things, from the wise and understanding. You know, I don't like that translation of it necessarily because you're like, what? But when you do look back to the Passion Translation, he says, you've hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and think they are wise. And you've revealed it to little children. So it takes me back into this concept of, of childlikeness and childishness. And um, as, as Robert's been talking a lot about these Timothy Keller books, I am one that finished the Prodigal God book. And th these verses are screaming at me, these concepts that Timothy Ke Keller was talking about how there's the younger brother that we all know about, but there's also this elder brother that we don't pay enough attention to. 
And so, of course, the younger brother, as we all know, represents the wayward one or the one, the selfish one, the one who wants to do whatever he wants to do, instant gratification, all the things that a lot of us identify with in parts of our lives. But we also don't realize how much we actually identify with the elder brother, who is the spirit of religion, religiosity, and he is the proud who thinks he's wise. Well, I've been here the whole time. I guess another way I can put it is he's the one that's entitled. He feels very entitled to everything of the fathers, whereas the younger brother's like, I squandered everything. I'm not deserving. And both actually break the father's heart just equally. And I think even as, as believers, we, we even cross that line of entitlement. I know I do. So that book was like huge to me because sometimes I fall into the category of wise and understanding and I realize I'm missing out on some revelations because I won't just step into wonder and curiosity and just want the Father's presence. Because sometimes I can honestly say I do step into a place mentally where I'm like, well, God, I know this because your word says this and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So where is it at? Which is kind of, I would say, is probably a disappointing thing for him to hear from me. <laughs> like, really? Really? But it's so much easier to attain, not even for the sake of attaining it, for the sake of him in relationship with him, that I can have these mysteries, that I can experience the goodness of God. You know, like that song, we believe in your son and the power of the cross. We believe in your blood and then that one part and what it did for us. That I believe it. I don't just know it. Yeah, I know that happens. But if I can actually sit there and believe it, like a child would, you know? So it's funny because, again, these are like the people who are the experts in the sensible things. You know, I fall into the line of logic very often. And it's gotten me places. It's also gotten me in really frustrating places. <laughs> well, God, why didn't you show up? And he's like, oh, sweetie. Oh, sweetie. It makes you think, too, of, um, I think it's Peter and John in Acts 4, where um, they meet the man at the gate, and he's uh, disabled, and they're like, do you want to walk? As he's begging, do you have money? Like, we don't have that, but we do have the power of God, so we can give that to you, you know? And then that takes them into this trial, <laughs> and then Peter gets up, and he gives this whole thing, and... What it says in verse 13, Acts 4, verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they had recognized that they had been with Jesus. Hmm. You know things just by being with. And that, is, that just astounds me. 
So these little children, how do you be like a child, especially when life has just been life? <laughs> We've all just went through life, you know? I was telling Anne yesterday, I, I had, and if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you've probably seen these pictures, but I recently posted a bunch of pictures of myself and my life from 2019. And I was thinking about how, man, in 2019, that was like the best year ever for me. Because 2018 was awful. But 2019, oh my gosh, there was something that happened where I, for the first time in my life, felt the most free. I was 100% full in. It was like I was reborn, but I had the knowledge now, or at that time, I had more of the knowledge and good, of the goodness of God then than when I first was reborn, and I'm overzealous, and I'm praying for all my friends in high school, and they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, you said you had a headache, so I wanted to pray so it would go away. Like, I literally did that. <laughs> my friend was like, okay, sure, whatever. It worked, I'm just saying. And it's funny because at the time, I, I, I just, I was already here for two years. A lot of you probably heard this story. I was already in this house for two years. And then one day in, in August, I mean, it's about to be 14, 15 years now, but I, it just one morning, it was just real to me. I gave him everything right here. And the whole, I'm, everyone's like, your face changed. Something about me changed. My whole countenance changed. I went from a total introvert into an extrovert like that. And y'all know, y'all remember, I didn't talk to you unless you talked to me. And then I might continue conversation. But there was this, there was this difference that happened because I was so childlike. I was just so in wonder of this life with God that I was willing to embarrass myself and tell my friend who was partying the night before and came to school hungover, well, I'll pray for you if you got a headache. And it actually went away before the bell rung and went to class. I shouldn't have encouraged that, but it's fine. Um, but I had that boldness, and I had that boldness my entire senior year of high school, which took me onto these crazy journeys that brought me to this place right now, which I'm still like, what? And, but it was something about the child-likeness, that I could be like a little child. Like, there's no other way for God to put you in the coolest scenarios than if you can just be like a child before him. And trust, and wonder, and adoration, and curiosity, in adventure. Remember, like, climbing trees when you were a kid? Pretending you're a monkey, like me. There's something about being a child. And so in 2019, there was this whole new childlikeness that there were these attributes and these characteristics that I carried in 2019 that were like I had it for the first time in my life. There was this joy. And it's so funny because what caught my attention in the pictures, I was actually looking for something else, and I ended up coming across all these pictures. But I noticed my face just looked different than it looks today. And it's only been four years. But a lot 
of frustration and pain and just chaos happened in those four years since. And so, you know, I could sit here and, you know, make a joke against myself and say, oh, well, that's all the weight I gained from depression. But that's not it, because I actually love my body. I've worked very hard to love my body. And I'm teaching her how to be treated now for the first time in my life. So even if I am heavier, I'm happy about my body. So that's not the difference I see in the pictures. But I'm tired. My face is tired now. And I'm tired of being tired. Aren't you? So I was thinking, well, let me go back to when I was not tired. And what are the differences right now? I don't have to replay all the chaos of the last four years in order to get back to a place of not being that tired. How did I respond to life? And I want to learn how to go back to responding that way. Did I offend someone and then I meet up with them for coffee and then they make a withdrawal for me and tell me that you hurt me? Well, I can't say I didn't hurt you. If I hurt you, I hurt you. I can say I didn't mean to, but what's that going to change? So we have the conversations. And I dealt with it, where Amanda before 2019 would be like, mm, and then I would avoid that person <laughs> for a very long time because of hurt relationships that I had dealt with previously when I hurt somebody. I can own my stuff. And I want to get back to that place of, I hurt you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tell me more. Let them process. I want to hear their pain. Help them process that pain because I was the one that abused them. Let me, let me do that. So I want to come back to that place. Um, but how do you stay like a child? Let's go to Matthew 13, just two chapters later. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Matthew 13, verses 11 and 12. So here's Jesus, and he says, You've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom, but they have not. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. And so I, I, it's another area where I just stop and get caught up in, how much am I relying on logic and knowledge and completely dismissing relationship with the Lord, relationship with my friend, relationship with my mom, you know, relationship? Because let's face it, kids are not all that logical. I mean, there's logic, but it's, it's out there. <laughs> but if I can just stop and sit back and think, man, as his kid, I have access to all of these amazing wonders that just keep me drawn to him and that make me want to shout from the rooftops the goodness of God that makes me want to boldly pray for my coworkers, my friends, my family, and not hide. 
makes me want to draw nearer to God, to that place of, I think Joe's mentioned this a long time ago, but he was like, you ever get so close to God and like you can just feel his presence, but you're kind of disappointed that you can't physically touch him. And that just disappoints you, but it just keeps you even so much closer to him that you're just like, you're just so hungry for him. You're just so hungry and thirsty to just be that close with him that, oh my gosh, if you could just be right here, I would give you the biggest bear hug and it would feel like a squirrel on you because you're just so mighty and it wouldn't even, it would be all my strength and it would just seem like almost nothing to you because you're just so big. Like, if we can be in that place, you know? But what I get out of this scripture of how to be like a little child are three very simple things. I'm not going to go into them. I'm just going to say them and then ask Holy Spirit later. But just stay hungry, stay humble, and stay teachable. Hungry, humble, teachable. Just stay there. And it's hard to stay there because of life. But we can learn that. So that's verse 25. Verse 26, Jesus starts talking about the will of God. And he says, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So that was an interesting transition again. So he comes from thanksgiving and then he starts transitioning from out of 26 into 27. He starts transitioning back to the people he's around. And then he starts making this declaration of all things have been handed over to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son. And, any, and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal himself. Which this line's really fascinating because, one... Jesus is referring to himself as the son. It's right there. And it's an interesting statement from Jesus because he is proclaiming here that only he had the true relationship with God the Father. And that the Father could only be known at that time through the son. Only through the son. These are just really fascinating things he's beginning to, to share with people at this time in the, in the timeline, in the storyline. It reveals a lot to us about the relationship, relationship between the father and the son. And I know Robert's talked a lot about that. If you read Robert and Doug's book, they go in even deeper depth just from this verse. There is so much that comes out of their book. So if you haven't had the book already, go get the book because they explore that of actual realities of the, life's, the lives that we could be living just from this depth of verse 27. And so now, Jesus pushes a little further in his transition and now opens the door for an invitation going into verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. 
Can you go to the ESV version? <laughs> verse 28. Take my yoke upon you. Maybe it's 29. Regardless. So Jesus is coming with an assurance that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why? Why is his yoke easy and why is his burden light? He bears it with us. Lori was there. <laughs> now, by ourselves, it would be a likely unbearable situation, which is probably why a lot of us might feel heavy. And so for me, I've shared pieces of this with you guys, and I know I've shared with different pe people at the leadership, but you know, I've been feeling the weightiness of this transition. Yeah, like, huh, it's heavy, this is real. Like, this, transi this transition is not something to be taken lightly. And so I feel the weightiness of it. But I realize I don't necessarily feel the weight, but I, don't, but I do feel the weightiness. And God's allowing Joe and I to begin to feel the weight on our shoulders. I know, Lisa, you're beginning, you're starting to feel that weight as well in the transition. He's like giving you a little bit of that weight. Like, here's a little taste. Okay. So let me go into the vision I had back in 2014. So I'm reading this verse, and Jesus just takes me into this vision. And he's actually showing me what he wanted me to see in this. And so I'm looking at Jesus, and I'm really heavy, and I had these loads on me. And Jesus just sitting there holding the yoke. He's, he has the yoke on, and he has the other side. Can you guys put up the illustration? Here's a yoke, if you didn't know. This is what a yoke looks like. And so right here it says, a swivel between the animals beneath the middle of yoke. It attaches to a pole of vehicle or chains to use to drag a load. So one fascinating thing, just to explain the yoke piece because it'll make a little more sense as I go into this vision I had, this encounter, is you guys notice in this bottom right-hand corner, there's a large animal and then there's a smaller animal. Which one do you think is probably carrying most of the weight? Yes, the big one. And so in those times, and even times today in areas that do still use yokes in this fashion, um, it was known that farmers would have a younger animal come and train and learn the yoke from a larger animal. And so the larger animal is actually carrying most of the weight but the younger animal is learning from the larger animal. Are you with me? Which I'm like, I feel like it's obvious, but it's so cool to realize, whoa, that makes sense. I just like those moments. And so what happens, it's usually um, yoked to an older, stronger, more independent kind of animal um, for the learning process. And so, actually, the word easy in the Greek is the word trestos, which can mean well-fitting. So not only is there a yoke, but this young yoke, or this younger animal, you see how it's the wooden yoke. I think it's in Palestine. They actually use the wooden yokes, 
and they actually um, design the other yoke whole to the animal that will be in it. So it's well fitting and that the whole won't actually like mess up their neck. It won't damage their neck. It won't create scarring. It's well fitted. Isn't that fascinating? Just these tiny little things. What? That just, it blows my mind. And so a yoke isn't going to have just the one. I mean, I think in some cultures they do have just one ox. But this is, this is the kind of yoke that I saw in this vision. And so I'm standing there, and Jesus is, has the yoke. He's in one hole, and then his arm is just holding up the other. It's like it's nothing. And I see the pole carrying literally the weight of the world as I go down, carrying the weight of the world behind him. And I'm just looking at him, shoulders down, feeling the weight, and he literally says, give me your yoke. And I'm, mine's just on the ground, not even holding it up. I'm, you know. But, oh, my gosh. So he says, give me your yoke. And so I, like, take it off, and I hand it up to him. And he literally, he kind of droops his a little, but it doesn't touch the ground. And he tosses my yoke. It flies up in the air and lands perfectly on him. So now he's holding not only my his yoke, but now he's holding mine. And so then what happens is... Um, <laughs> he goes, now come here and put your head through. And I'm like, no, because from a distance, would you not think that's heavy? Uh-uh, I'm not doing it. And he goes, come here. <laughs> hmm. I do. So I do come in, and it does. It fits well. It fits well. But his arm never <laughs> left from behind my head. He's still holding the whole weight. And I'm only feeling a light weight on my shoulders. So then he goes in and he starts saying, learn from me. And so I'm really zeroed in on what this learn from me is. And he literally says, I want you to watch how I walk. I want you to pay attention to my posture. I want you to pay attention to my face. I want you to pay attention even to the grunts I make. I want you to pay attention to every detail of me. Don't worry, I'm carrying the weight. Just watch what I do. So we're walking, and I'm watching, and I'm paying attention to all these intricate details. And then after some time, he goes, okay, so now start to mimic what you just learned. And I'm like, okay. So he grunted, I grunted. He scrunched his face, I scrunched my face, and I went with the exact same step that he did. I did everything that he was doing. And it was amazing because then Jesus says in the scripture, he goes, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. And it's in the interaction with him in the yoke is where I realized his nature. That he is gentle. He was being gentle with me in the learning process. He was being humble with me in the process. He was being patient with me. And I did find rest. And it just, it just fascinated me so much. And I love that in this scripture, Jesus is literally saying, this is who I am. I am gentle. And I am humble. 
and you will find rest for your souls. And I love that he described the gift to us. You will find it. But we have to learn from him. And it just makes me sit and look at my life, look at the different areas of my life where I do feel the weight, where I do feel a burden, whether it's good things like stepping into this leadership role here at the church or if it's heavy, hard things that I don't want to be experiencing because it's just not fun, because it's pain, pain that life just brought that I didn't choose, whichever, I get to bring that to him. I don't have to carry it. Even the good stuff, I don't have to carry it. He can carry it, and I can learn from him. What a relief. Because his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. For us, for him it might not be. But for the joy set before him, he endured. He endured the cross, and he endures your burdens and your weight. And I'm just so relieved that we have a God that's willing to carry the weight for us. But that doesn't mean that is not a call for us to be lazy. It is not a call for us to do what we want, when we want, how we want it. But it's actually a call of an invitation to him. It's how he starts it. Come to me. And again, I, I just, I love the Passion Translation version of these scriptures. Are you weary? Carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I'll refresh your life. For I am your oasis. I just love that. Oasis. He is my oasis. He is my reality, right? And he goes, simply join your life with mine. He's just so matter of fact in this, <laughs> in this translation. I'd love it. Just simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways. Sorry. Forgot that was there. <laughs> Learn my ways. And you'll discover that I'm gentle humble and easy to please you will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear hmm. I just thank you Lord I just thank you that we're never alone not once. That you carry the weight. And Lord, I ask that even in this moment, you can help us identify the burdens and the weight that we're carrying, the loads. Some are actual responsibilities we have to carry. And others are things that we've chosen to carry that we should not be carrying. And so, Lord, I ask that 
you come and encounter us today and moving forward and help us work through handing the yoke to you. And for some of us, you might have to just lift it right off of us. Maybe it's a medical issue. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's a character issue. Been there. I just ask that you show us how to do that so we can rest because what you are bringing, what you are bringing us into is so sweet and so grand that we, we need to be well rested for it. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that you're about to do. And Lord, let us lay these things either at your feet because they're that heavy or help us just at least identify them and give us the willpower for you to pick it up. And on top of that, Lord, teach us. Teach us your ways. Let us learn from you and stir in our hearts the desire to learn your ways, to learn how you would respond, to learn how you would walk, to learn how you think, because we do have access to your perceptions, like it said in 1 Corinthians 2. Lord, I thank you for the rest to come on this house and to all the people of this house for those watching, for those listening. We receive your rest. We receive you as our oasis and our reality. And we want to see you receive your full reward. Because we can only come to the Father except through you. And we choose you, and we say yes. You are our Lord. You are our shepherd, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you come to each of us and reveal even deeper truths about these realities, these simple realities. We love you, Lord. And we give you all the praise and glory. You are worthy of our rest. In your magnificent and powerful name, Yahweh.